not come to a mountain that can be touched and that it is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged and no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words, once more, indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Okay, please keep that part of the Bible open, and that's the passage that we'll have in the back of our minds as we think and talk about the issue or the topic of church and who we are as God's church. Normally at church, our sermons are, we work through a book of the Bible and there's an advantage of that that you can you know, be aware of context and be learning or um, gaining understanding of the passage as a whole. But when we look at a topic like we're doing today, a topical sermon, there's more of a chance that I'll kind of consolidate things or not explain things and get things wrong. So I think when we're having a topical sermon, it's more important that you listen up and, and question what you hear. So how about I pray as we look at the topic of church? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, at the start of a new church year, Lord, please help us to be clear who we are as your church. And please help us to be clear on what we're doing as well. And we just pray that our understanding of your word in the Bible, in this passage and other parts of of the Bible would shape how we think about your church and our party in it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you look at the passage Chris has read for us, there's two churches mentioned. So this is the back end of the book of Hebrews, and there's two churches mentioned there. Um, we're part of the second. And as you reflect on these churches, it helps you understand who we are as Christ Church here in Kenmore. The first church is there in verse 18 to 21. It's the writer looking back to the time when the people of God, the Israelites, um, gathered around Mount Sinai, churched around Mount Sinai. Um, so it says, verse 18, you've not come. So this is not the church we are part of. You've not come to a mountain that can be touched, that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast, to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. That's the description of Mount Sinai. When the people gathered around and there was fire and smoke and 
this thundering voice that scared the people so that they said, no, no, Moses, you go up and talk to God. They were gathered around after God had saved them out of slavery in Egypt, brought them across the sea on dry land, brought his people around to speak with them. That was the picture. That was the church. And the passage says, that's not the church we've come to. And then in verse 22, there's the second church. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. That's the church we, as Christians, are part of, this gathering around Christ in heaven, this eternal gathering, giving glory to God and to Jesus. Jesus has made it possible for us to have access into God's presence. And the contrast between the churches is there in the passage. Um, Verse 23 keeps going. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. If you think back to Abel's blood, that was, you know, sin caused that, whereas Jesus' blood was shed to deal with sin. It's all a different picture. As Christians, we're gathered around Christ in heaven with a multitude And that happens when you put your trust in Jesus. You become part of this heavenly church around God in heaven. Um, We're sinners made clean through Jesus' blood, gathered around God in heaven. Jesus is our priest. Looking back through Hebrews, you can see all these things. Jesus is our priest. He is the one who gives us access. There's this language in chapter 10 of the curtain being torn, the curtain into God's presence. We can stand before God with a clear conscience because of what Jesus has done. So the writer of the Hebrews is making it clear there is a huge and significant difference that Jesus has made. Um, If you were to go back to the start of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, it kind of sets it all up for us there. Back in Hebrews 1 verse 3 you read, after Jesus had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. It's saying a lot of things there in very few words. Jesus has finished that job of dealing with sin. He's now seated. Nothing more to do. And as we put our, our trust in Jesus, we, go, we join this gathering around Jesus, seated, God's right hand. Um, when you think of church like that as Christ's church, it's a helpful picture. So have that in mind as we think about our local gathering here in Kenmore. While we wait for Jesus' to return, we participate in Christ's gathering in heaven, but our participation is not complete. We're, we're kind of torn between two things. But while we wait for Jesus to return, we keep listening to God's word. We keep trusting in Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says that the promise of entering God's rest, you'll see it in chapter 4, the promise of entering God's rest, it still stands. It's still open. And so there's the warning not to miss out like Israel did. They missed out by not listening to God's word and not obeying God's word. They failed to trust and obey. So the writer of Hebrews He was originally writing to people who attempted to go back to the Jewish way of doing things with their temple and their priests and their sacrifices. And across this letter, Hebrews, or this book of Hebrews, there's five warnings. It says, this is what Jesus has done. This is how much better it is than the old covenant. So don't drift back to the old way of doing things. Um, The writer explains that the old is just the shadow. We now have the reality, the reality that casts that shadow. And so when Moses built the tabernacle he had to make it just so it had to be done as god had instructed because he was making the shadow making the copy of the real thing but now as christians we are part of the real gathering the real church we have jesus as our permanent high priest the sacrifice for sin is once for all dealt with done 
And so then you come in the passage that's still open in front of us, in chapter 12, verse 25, you come to one of the warnings. It says, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape, talking about Israel, when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? As Christians gathered around Christ, we listen to his voice. It's important that you listen. Look at what happened with Israel when they failed to trust and listen and obey. So Hebrews, it's a helpful part of the Bible, I think, to reflect on as we think about Christ's church and our part in it as we gather around Christ to listen to his word. Um, Keep going. If you look down in verse 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, I take it this shaken language is talking about judgment. We're receiving a kingdom that can't, won't be judged. Um, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let's be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Um, We worship the same God that Israel worshipped around Mount Sinai, but so much has changed through the work of Christ. We have this free access to God. So keep these, these words in Hebrews in mind as we now think about our local gathering, as we think about what, who we are as Christ Church here in Kenmore and what we do. Next week, we'll get into the what we do as Christ Church. Today, we're thinking less about what we do and more about who we are. And it is important for us to be clear on who we are because if we're clear on who we are it helps us when things get difficult like when you have a Euodian Sintiki moment in church where you disagree with someone it's so much easier when you're clear on who we are you can sort these differences through together Um, it helps be clear on who we are and what we're doing because it stops you doing this kind of mindless drift through the course of the year not knowing where you fit in at church not knowing what to do If we're clear on who we are, then we can serve, we can get busy. We know what we're doing. We know where we fit in. It also means if we're clear on who we are and what we're doing, it means we can make changes. So we can tweak the way we do KPC Kids so it's more appropriate and so on. So we're thinking about church and who we are. And if you go back to definitions, the word church or the noun church, we can't confuse ourselves because we use that word church to talk about buildings, don't we? I mean, Lyndall and I had a holiday in Europe with the kids and you see all these amazing churches but it's not real nice because you know they're empty and no one goes to them. It's a church without a church, isn't it? We, we use the word two different ways. We also use the word church to refer to um, God's people gathered. And so we're a church here this morning, but we're not in a church. It all gets a little bit hectic. But when you look through the Bible, Christ's church fundamentally is his people gathered. You see it in the eternal church, gather around Christ in heaven. You see it in our local expressions of the eternal church as we gather Um, sadly though you know basic definitional thing but sadly many churches prioritize a building over the congregation or people will choose a church based on the aesthetics of the building rather than the people that make up that congregation Um, the word most often translated church in our English Bible is that word for gathering congregating churching so when we think of church as a gathering we're not just thinking of any gathering I mean You might have gathered yesterday for your daughter's 19th birthday, perhaps. That's not a church gathering. It's just a gathering. You might gather at the bus stop to catch the bus tomorrow. It's just a gathering at the bus stop. We're not just a... I mean, you might have Christians who gather at the bus stop. That doesn't make it church. Gathering as Christ's people around Christ to listen to his word, that starts to make it church, doesn't it? Um, 
So we need that slightly tighter definition. We're gathering around Jesus. We're Christians gathering around Jesus, seeking to listen to his word. Um, we can get a little bit, I mean, these are obvious, you know, simple things to explain, but churches can lose the plot on that one too. We can gather, but not open God's word. That's just weird. We can gather for all sorts of other reasons. We might let singing praise become the only thing we do when we come to church. You're missing out. It's not the full expression of church. Um, keep Hebrews 12 in mind. We're part of the church gathered around Christ, heeding his voice, listening to his word. Not rocket science, but things which, which we should be clear on. And whether, when we gather as a church here in Kenmore... The difference between the gathering around heaven and this local expression of that gathering, the big difference, I think, is that we'll have visitors among us. We'll have people here with us this morning who aren't living for Christ, who aren't present in the gathering around Christ in heaven. And that's a good thing. And we welcome our visitors. We want you to be here. But while you're not a follower of Jesus, you are a visitor. You're watching church happen, not participating in church in the same way as you do once you have your faith in Jesus. Um, Christians can get that wrong too, and in an effort, a you know, good-hearted good effort to be evangelistic and see the church grow, we can run our Sunday gatherings in a way that focuses on the outsider rather than the insider. We're a gathering of Christians. If you're visiting, you watch it happen, and we pray that you'll join us, gathering around Christ in heaven. Um, we're thinking about church and who we are, and I'm not doing a very good job of following the sermon outline, but these are the kind of things which... Um, we go over each year to refresh ourselves. It's kind of like I said in the email update, getting your wheel alignment to stop you going skewed and off track. As followers of Jesus, we've been, a made, we've been a made, made alive in Jesus. We're sinners made alive in Christ. We're part of this gathering because of Jesus' work, not because we're all of a sudden perfect people. That's another important thing to be clear on. Church is not a club for good people or perfect people. We're forgiven sinners who continue to battle with our sinful nature until Jesus returns. And there's obvious implications of that. We're sinful people battling with our sinful nature. We will headbutt sometimes. We will have issues with each other. We will annoy each other and hurt each other. And there's more too. We live in these broken bodies while we wait for Jesus to return. Our physical health, our mental health, it's compromised until Jesus returns. And so you have these interactions that are painful. While we wait for Jesus' return, we are broken and we wait for Jesus to return when everything will be set right, knowing that we're sinful, broken people that God is at work in. If you're clear on that, you're clear on the fact that you've got the work in progress badge on your front and your back, it's helpful because we know that we're going to offend each other and cause each other hurt at times. Um, we're made alive in Christ by putting our faith in him and as we respond to the truth of the gospel, we don't become a Christian just by attending church. We don't become a Christian by becoming a communicant member, but by heeding God's word. Remember Hebrews 12 verse 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If you look back in chapter 4 of Hebrews, there's the, it says the promise of entering God's rest still stands. And it says, so today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The way you join God's rest, the way you become part of Christ's church, is by responding to God's word with trust and obedience. And so we need to be clear on that as well. If we want to see Christ's church growing, then we need to put out God's word to people and invite them to respond with trust and obedience and repentance. 
will have children growing up in church, they don't just automatically become a Christian. We need to give them the opportunity to put their trust in Jesus. We need to pray that God will be at work in them, changing their hearts. We need to teach the Bible to them at their level where they can understand and pick it up. Um, We may have a spouse who comes to church to show support for their husband or wife. We need to give the non-believing spouse the opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond. That's the way they become a Christian. I mean, it's basic stuff, but it's important to be clear on. If we're not putting the truth of the gospel in front of people, well, we're not really doing our job. They don't have the opportunity to join the gathering around Christ in heaven. So we're a gathering of sinful people who've been made alive in Jesus by responding to the gospel, and we will grow as we invite others to respond to the gospel as well. And once you become a Christian, well, you get on to point two, sort of. I'm a bit off my sermon outline, but once you become a Christian, what do we do? Well, we gather around Christ in his word. We continue to hear God's word and respond to it. That's what we do. We continue to seek to live for him. So this gathering here today, it's part of that larger gathering around Christ in heaven. And as we share our lives together, we attempt to reflect and enjoy the rest and the unity that Jesus has won for us. Um, We don't come to church to be a passenger or to be a consumer. We come to church for what we can give, for how we can serve. We don't come to church for what we can get out of it. We come to church because we want to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. It's a spoiler alert because if you look at Hebrews chapter 10, that's where we'll be next week as we think more about what we do as God's church. Um, I've been around long enough, I think, to be qualified to be able to say that when you see someone growing in maturity as a Christian, you'll see it working out in their willingness to serve. Their love for other people, their love that turns to service, being able to put other people before themselves and make sacrifices for other people. And so when we gather locally as Christ church, we gather around Jesus with him as our head. We open God's word to allow God to speak to our hearts. We pray and bring all our concerns to him. We sing God's praises and we spur each other on to keep living for Jesus, knowing that most of us are gathered around Christ in heaven even now. And as we show Christ-like love towards each other, um, others will be able to see that we are Jesus' disciples. We belong to him. We're his body. So it's the gospel of Jesus that draws us into this gathering, and it's the gospel of Jesus that grows and changes and shapes us. And listening to God's word is important as part of church. And so that's why I think in the suburb around, we have a reputation, I believe, as being a church that will teach the Bible because that's what we should do. That's the way you'll build God's church. Um, It's important to be growing in our knowledge of God's word. And so teaching God's word is important when we do church on a Sunday, when we do church in growth group, when KPC Kids meets, when youth group meets. It's God's word being taught that's important at the heart of it all. And then the third and the final point, really, it's getting on to next week's passage, the what we do. We want to grow as followers of Jesus. And so growing as a follower of Jesus will mean each of us growing in knowing Jesus. It'll mean each of us growing in living for Jesus. And it'll mean each of us growing in sharing the gospel of Jesus. And as we hold out the gospel of Jesus, it gives other people the opportunity to respond with the repentance and faith, to be made alive in Christ and to join the gathering around heaven that we express each Sunday when we meet. So we continue to teach the gospel of Jesus in order to equip each other 
to serve one another in building up the body of Christ. Um, one of the advantages of being clear on who we are as Christ church is that we can see changes that we can make to the way that we do church. And so as a church, we'll see changes to the way we can do things as a church. But as an individual, as part of this church, you can see changes that you need to make as well. And if there's action you need to take, then do. If you're you know, just drifting around, not locking into church, act on that. Um, stop shopping around. Lock in. Start serving. Um, if you are a visitor with us, then are you at the point where you are prepared to put your trust in Jesus? If you're thinking, yeah, yeah I probably am, talk to someone. Or if you want to check things out, they'll ask someone to read the Bible with you. Or if you're a long-time regular and your wheels have gone out of alignment and you're just bouncing along, time to get a wheel alignment this year. Work on it. As we begin a new year of church together, let's be clear on who we are. Um, let's be clear on who we are as Christ church. We are sinners made right through Jesus' death in our place, gathered around Christ in heaven, and each week we express that as we gather together and then come back to the passage where we started. If you look at chapter 12, verse 22, this is the church we are part of. But you have come to, the Mount, to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the amazing privilege that it is for each of us to have heard the truth about Jesus. Lord, please help us to be obedient to live with Jesus as our Lord and our Saviour. Father, we thank you for the privilege that it is to be gathered around Christ in heaven. Lord, we pray that when we meet as your people here on earth, we pray that we would express that unity that we have in Christ. Um, Lord, we pray that we would be a church that is growing as each one of us grows as followers of Jesus. And we pray for the year ahead. Please help us to serve well together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.